I am really honored to be pastored by and to serve in ministry with a man of God like Byron Wicker. And in his absence, I want to take this opportunity to honor my spiritual father. Because when I was in a time of my life, beat up, going through a divorce, I limped in here literally with a broken ankle ankle in the spring of 1998. I came in here, I was wanting to hide from everybody. Thank you for those of you who were there that wouldn't let me hide. I had this little eight-month-old baby in my arms somehow. Fran McCarran would come to me and make me let him hold my baby so that I could enjoy the Lord. I just really appreciate that. you know. But what I want to say is this. When I walked in the door, Becky was leading worship. Instantly I was connected to what the Spirit of God was doing here. Byron gave a message, and the message was, God has a plan for your life. And it was just a basic, like, you know, generic. But it, have you ever experienced walking into church, and whatever the preacher preaches, it's like he's been reading your emails that week. You know what I'm talking about? That's how it was for me, and it followed that way. And I have seen a man in Byron that every single day of his life, every week, he is searching the heart of God. God, what are you saying today? What do you have today? What do you want it for this church today? And he's really got a heart for you. He's got a pastor's heart. He cares deeply. And I just want you to know that. We're privileged. We're blessed. Because the number one quality that I see in Byron Wicker is humility. We're not under Byron Wicker Ministries. It's not about his ministry up here. He's got a heart to give it away. To give it to you. You know, and so that's just a tremendous thing. And, you know, Jim Hill as well in CSM, I jokingly, he hates when I call him this, but I call him Apostle, Apostle Jim Hill, you know. With his heart missions, he's just got an incredible impartation um, to give away. So I just wanted to say that. And uh, everybody just stand up with me. I want to say this. I got a confession to make. You're looking at a spiritually slow guy. <laughs> I just, I, I'm a little bit behind the curve, okay? So if you feel that way, you're in good company this morning. But here's my testimony. This past week, the Lord has begun, begun to download things into me. I didn't even, I knew by faith they existed. You know what I'm saying? Byron's been preaching to us. There's information super highways that you can app into. There's downloads from heaven. There's open portals. Da-da. And I'm like, Amen, brother. Okay. Yes, I believe that. I know it's true. I see it. But on the practical side, okay. Where's the up in heavens, Lord? I'm looking for the... Yeah. Am, I, am I the only one? Okay, so I just want to encourage you. Marlon had a dream, as he does like every night from the Lord, you know, this past weekend. And Monday, me and Andy came in here. We were in the prayer room. Marlon all of a sudden just starts praying for us. And all of a sudden, it's like information has started coming to me despite myself, that is just unbelievable. So what I want to do right now is I want you to just raise your hand in the air if you want that. And here it is. It's just receive it by faith. You may not feel anything, but just pray after me. Lord, I receive it. I say yes and amen to your downloads. I know it's for me. Tap me in. Take me up. I'm seated with you in heavenly places. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Woo, that was good. Hey, do not take lightly those kinds of things that we do. You know what I'm saying? 
They may not necessarily be fireworks for you, but I'm learning that God can do extraordinary things in the Spirit through very ordinary things. For example, Byron took a bottle of water. I saw it there, this vial of water that he said, the Lord told me to pour this out on the ground in Argentina. I mean, anybody can do that. It doesn't take Benny in to pour a bottle of water out. You know what I'm saying? It almost seems ridiculous to the natural mind. But in the Spirit, just very simple acts of obedience like that can absolutely unleash a flood. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to encourage you. The Christian walk is really about obedience. It's just as simple as that. You may not always feel it. You may not always want to do it. You may not always feel this, you know, this spiritual zap. But if we will just obey God, tremendous things will happen in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to Galatians 5. This isn't my sermon for this morning. I'm just going with... I'm just being obedient. Galatians 5. This is a very familiar passage, as Byron would say, but in his absence I'll say, no, everybody doesn't know this. Everybody knows this one. <laughs> Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Has anybody ever known a conceited person? <laughs> I'm sure, you know, that's one of those you say, has anybody ever had a friend who was conceited? You know, nobody here is conceited. No, I'm just kidding, but... You know, conceited people just absolutely rub you the wrong way, don't they? I mean, it's like, dude, what is your deal? Would you just get off your high horse, come back to reality, and realize you're not God's gift to the earth? The Bible teaches us that conceit gets us nowhere. In fact, at 19 years old, I thought I knew everything. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? 19 years old, know everything. Those are like a contradiction in terms. But the Lord took me through a very Nebuchadnezzar-like experience in Daniel chapter 4. I don't know if you know that story. Basically, there was this king over Babylon. He's like, I'm the man. There's no one greater. He set himself up. He's like, look at this palace that I built. Look at these things that I've done. I, 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 me, me, me. What happened to him? Well, Daniel brought him a hard word. This is not the, the prophetic word you're itching to hear. He brought him a word and said, Guess what, Nebuchadnezzar? I got news for you. God is going to take away everything. He's going to take away your wealth. He's going to take away your palace. He's going to take away your family. He's going to take away your sanity. For seven years, guess what happened? That very thing happened to Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 4 that it was so bad that this guy was actually grazing in the field like a cow. Now that's a bad day. 
Everybody agree with that? That's a bad day when you're so gone out of your mind that you're eating grass. It says his, claw, his fingernails grew out like an eagle's claws. It was a bad day for Nebuchadnezzar. But that, it didn't stop there. Finally, this pagan king, at the end of the story, he acknowledges the king of the universe, the Lord over heaven and earth. And guess what he says? He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, recognize that you are the king of the universe to summarize. And I also know this. I know that those who walk in pride, there's that conceit thing, you are able to humble. You're able to humble. I had to learn that, mess, that lesson the hard way, unfortunately. I was walking in pride. I knew what it was. I knew I didn't want the teachings of my childhood or the church or whatever. That couldn't. That was just not open-minded enough. I knew that this marijuana I was smoking was expanding my horizons. <laughs> what? This demonic lie that was released in the earth about LSD opening up a new atmosphere to you, a new reality, you know, back in the 60s. I'll tell you, it's actually true. But it's the kind of reality you don't want. Does anybody know what I'm saying? So long story short, I ended up on my way to a mental institution, terrified out of my mind, because for seven nights, seven days, I couldn't sleep. I could not get peace in my mind. I began to cry out to God, Lord, if you just give me peace, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Finally, on the seventh night, I was laying on my bed. God took me to the book of Matthew where Jesus came under an open heaven during His baptism. And what happened? The Spirit of God descended like a dove and anointed Him. And God said the dove is the universal symbol of peace. He said, if you will get water baptized, I know it sounds strange, but this is the truth. If you'll get water baptized, I will restore everything to you that you're asking for peace to your mind. So I got up. Next morning, I grabbed my parents. The swimming pool's in the backyard. I said, Mom and Dad, this is what God said. They looked at me like, okay. And so we went out there. And I'm telling you, the second that I went under that water and the second I came out, instantly, all the demonic manifestations in my mind were completely gone. I haven't been the same person ever since. I've never, I've never even been tempted to smoke a joint, take a bong hit, drop acid, whatever. I was just looking at my, like, you know, 90s hippies friends. You know, there was kind of resurgence this thing. I was looking at them going, what is y'all's problem? You're spending $50 on a bag of weed when I get high on the Holy Ghost anytime I want to. You know, this is insanity what you're doing. Where am I? Galatians 5. Let us not become conceited. Obviously, my testimony is an extreme example, but what, but what the Lord has spoken to us over and over again, one of the greatest keys, I believe probably the greatest key to ongoing revival is one word. Humility. Humility. Getting low. I believe, okay, I don't think we're there yet, but I believe the Lord is laying a foundation right now for the glory to be made manifest. We're building a house, if you will, the temple. We're building a temple for the glory of God to come in and fill. And when that happens, it hasn't happened yet. Okay, now we've seen little pieces of glory and we experienced some maybe in our own lives, so that's totally valid. But I'm saying when God's glory descends in this nation, on this community, let me tell you what's possible. So few people actually will want to drink alcohol that bars will close down. 
It's possible. It's happened before. It happened in the early 1900s in a nation in Europe called Wales. What astounds me about reading about that revival is so few people wanted to go to soccer matches, football, they call it, football games. The football stadium's closed. Then let me tell you, when British people stop going to soccer matches, something radical's happening. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they are just... I mean, they look... Make Panthers fans look normal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they just... They go out and riot for fun. You know? Those English hooligans. Can you imagine that? But I think to you and to my mind, it almost seems like we don't even know what we're looking for. And so the danger is we begin to feel a touch from God and feel blessed and we declare revival. Oh, revival's come. Revival's here. But I'm here to tell you, listen, listen to me, okay, real carefully. Dutch Sheets said this in his book about revival I'm reading. He said, he's talking about premature revival. He said, premature revival means to assume revival has arrived before it really has. The moment may truly be of the Holy Spirit, but is only in the infancy stage. Our presumption often causes a premature relaxing of efforts or change of strategy, and then, of course, momentum is lost. Let me tell you how the momentum could be potentially lost. By faith, it's not going to, but it could be. When we don't walk in humility, and when we go through a personal season of not feeling blasted by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, that doesn't last forever, personally. But there are ways of God's Spirit that will continually flow over us as we corporately stay in a place of humility. And if it's not my day to move, it's your day. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? It, we're the body of Christ, right? So I know if I'm having a bad day, Andy's got my back. But what's even better than that, if I'm having a really bad day, Corey might have my back. All the Spirit of God might come on Corey, and all of a sudden Corey gets up here and begins to prophesy and change the atmosphere and release things in, in the heavenly realm that just absolutely demolishes every stronghold. See, we're seeing it at Lone Star Steakhouse. Dean's for Jewish friend had an angel take him to heaven. For goodness sakes. And there was not a preacher in his bedroom that I know of. Do you see what the Spirit of God is capable of? How does this tie into Galatians 5, Matthew? This is insane. Galatians 5.22 is absolutely the most powerful, important manifestation of the Spirit, period. Love. Doesn't sound exciting, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and whatever other one I forgot. <laughs> Denise is over there telling me which one. I, which one was it, Denise? Faithfulness, long suffering. <laughs> you get my point. That's the mo that's what we need in our lives. We need the fruit of the Spirit to may ma be made manifest. Well, where's that in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. It says you're just a clanging symbol. Just like the big old gong show without love. I believe we can take liberty and expand it to love, joy, peace, patience, and everything Denise said. Are you with me on that? That is what we need because that is one of the key ingredients for an ongoing, sustained revival. In fact, what I'm telling you this morning is that's the foundation. That's what God's doing now. 
Praise God, man. This is quick and amazing. Leonard Ravenhill, put that up here. Anybody ever heard of Leonard Ravenhill, first of all? Okay, a few people have. For the rest of you, um, don't feel bad. I'm not real familiar with him either. But this is a guy, his, his main ministry was, on, I think, during the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Okay, that 40-year time span. Anyway, he's a revival guy. I mean, he experienced revival. He experienced renewal. Just a powerful man of God. He taught a lot on revival. Here's what he said. The church has been subnormal for so long that when it finally becomes normal, everybody thinks it's abnormal. That's what's going on in the church in America today. God's finally kind of getting us back up to speed by His grace. All right. All right, I'm going to help you guys. Let me get you back to where the walking in power, walking in grace, walking in rest. Okay, because here's the thing. I don't want you to think it's all about the power of God. Now, the power and the miracles and the signs and wonders is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Can't do without it. But if you got all that without having a revelation of resting in God, which just simply means, like Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. If you got all that without having a grace revelation, you know that it's not me, but it's God. It's not my self-effort, but it's just resting in Him. Then all of those things will become tiresome. Do you hear what I'm saying? I read this incredible article by Roland Baker recently about their ministry in Mozambique. Anybody familiar with Heidi Roland Baker? Powerful ministry. And I don't have the quote with me here, but he said basically this to summarize. He said, people are constantly asking us, what's the secret to thousands of churches in so many years? How do you keep all these people unified? How do you feed thousands of orphans a day? How do you do this? How do you do that? And he said, you know what we tell them? I don't know. He said, in revival, the Spirit of God is able to keep people unified, to feed orphans, to heal the sick. Why? Because of the Father's love. Because when the fruit of the Spirit grows in our hearts, it really just follows that miracles happen. It really just follows that the sick get well. Because the compassion of Christ just oozes out of us through the fruits of the Spirit. Are you following me here? He also said that there's one key, and that key is relationship. And I was talking to Janet, my mother-in-law Janet last night, and she said, Matthew, I feel like the Lord is saying that in a season of revival, for sustained revival, there's one big key. Well, actually, she said a couple of different keys, but one key really stood out to me, and that was intimacy. Relationship. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with the Father. Knowing His heart, like the Apostle John, resting our head upon His chest. Lord, I want to know your heartbeat. What's going on? What's going on? What are you doing today? What's happening with me? How can I serve you, Lord? Not, what is my purpose? How am I? What do I? Who do I? See, that's too humanistic in focus. Now, God will use you. He does have a purpose and a plan for you, but first is Him. As we come into alignment with Him and His ways, we discover who we are. Does that make sense? I think that's another big key that's plaguing the church as a humanistic ooze. 
You can't help it. And I've said that before. Most people have been educated in humanistic schools, gone to humanistic universities, watch humanistic entertainment, all these things that centers around self and pleasing us. Hey, let me ask you a question. Whatever happened to dying to self, taking up your cross, for it's better to give than to receive. Whatever happened to let's just let's not see how many wealthy people we can get in here and build the biggest building possible with all the nicest stuff. I tell you, what, I got an idea. Yes, Matthew, what's your idea? Hey, I got an idea, guys. Let's give everything away. Let's just well, what would we do? I mean, we wouldn't have a building. We, I mean, uh, 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 well, I don't know. How about trust God? I'm not saying we need to do that today, but what I'm saying is, if God calls us to do it, then He can do it. Woo! Somebody needs to preach up in here. <laughs> Let's go after the poor. Amen. Don't get me started on the poor now. Yeah, you don't know. Nah, yeah. <laughs> Complete community transformation. Throw it out. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I only went another five minutes. Praise God. Oh, Lord. Let's just pray. God, we're just so desperate, Lord. We're just so desperate. God, as a church, as families, as just even single individuals here, God, we are desperate for You. Lord, we cannot live without You, God. You are the air that we breathe. Oh, God, You are the very sustenance of life itself. God, with just one touch, just one spoken word, You can change the whole universe. Lord, if You can do that, Lord, You can change us. You can change the human heart, God, that we haven't been able to tame. You can tame the tongue. You can crush uh, demonic strongholds over our communities. You can bring an end to abortion. Oh, God. You can change a generation. Woo! That's good, Lord. I could just stay there for a while. Mm. We're desperate. We're a desperate church, God. We are a desperate church, God. Lord, have mercy on us. Don't ever let us get too reliant on ourselves or our anointing or our ministries or our this or our that, God. Lord, we want to stay at the foot of the cross wholly dependent upon You, Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Real quickly. God raised up a prophet named Ezra. Or He raised up a man to tell a story named Ezra, I should say. In Ezra's day, the exiles of Israel had just been miraculously set free by Cyrus of Persia. And they were able to come home after 60 some odd years in captivity because they, you know, they went into captivity because they just forsook the Lord their God. And uh, they came home. And in Ezra chapter 3, it says that they began to restore the temple of Solomon. And let me just read four verses, three verses here. Ezra 3.10, and it'll be up on the screen. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord. Everybody say foundation. The foundation is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The foundation is the river of God that flows from the throne of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets 
and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For He is good, for His mercy endures forever toward Israel. They were really excited. They had just been imprisoned. And they got set free, miraculously, in return. And they were laying a foundation. Then all the people shouted with a great shout. So if you get offended by loud shouting and stuff, it's biblical. There's one more example. When they praise the Lord because of what? The foundation. Everybody say foundation. Because of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Do you want something to shout about? You should shout when you see the fruit of the Spirit made manifest in your life or in your kids' lives or in your friends' lives or in the life of the church. Yeah, we should shout about all kinds of things, but those are the foundational elements. The grace of God. Verse 12, But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men, there's none of those in here, but they had old men back then. Old men who had seen the first temple. So that was at least 60, 70 years prior. So, yeah, these guys were 70, 80 plus years. What they did was, they saw the temple was laid, and they wept. They wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. peculiar to me why are they not dancing like all the young people does anybody have an answer because they had seen the former temple they had experienced get this you remember the glory that I was talking about the change atmosphere change all communities they had experienced the glory of God filling the very first temple that Solomon David's son had built to God but they wept because they saw it all go away saw it all go away. Why? Because the spirit of conceit, the spirit of pride that we talked about at the beginning that rose up in their hearts and said, God? Who needs God? We've got Baal or, you know, just stupid stuff like that. God? Who needs, you know, who needs a judge? Who needs a theocracy? We want a king. Everybody else has got a king, Lord. We want a king. Oh, I don't think you want a king, guys. Yes, Lord, we want a king. The deacons have voted. We want a king. Okay, here's a king. You know what the kingship ended up in? It ended up in this. Yes, many great things happened through the kings, through God's mercy. But ultimately, it wasn't God's plan for His people. His plan was that we would be a king, a kingdom of priests. You know, like Hebrews speaks of. But they forsook that because of their pride. So they were weeping. So that the, in verse 13, uh, and so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far off. Okay, so here's what happened. They got happy when the foundation was laid. But some opposition came against them. There were foreigners in the land of Canaan that they had returned to that had been their home. There were foreigners there. The foreigners said, hey guys, we worship the same God, basically. I mean, you know, isn't, aren't all gods basically like different ways to the same thing? You know, religious pluralism sound familiar? Allah, Jesus, Buddha, I mean, basically the same thing, right? 
why don't we come in and help you kind of reconstruct your little building here? And the Jews are like, no, can't do that. That would be disobeying God. So they had some opposition. These guys came up and got angry with them. Began to send letters back to King Cyrus. Hey, do you know what these guys are doing? There's a, there's a revolt rising here in Palestine. Well, instead of rising up in the spirit of Gideon, or the spirit of Joshua, be strong and courageous of their forefathers, the Israelites cowered. They bowed. Instead, they decided to just play it smooth, play it safe. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can always rebuild the temple later. You know, I mean, we're technically, the people are technically the temple. So let's just put the temple thing off for a while. And in the meantime, I've got this lake house that I really want to build out here. And, you know, I, I, got, a, I, got, a, I got a new Jaguar just waiting to, you know, for me to buy. I've, I've got all these things. And, but, you know, I'm going to go to church. We'll still continue to worship God. But for now, you know, I think I, I feel led. You know, I feel led to just not do this right now. Sixteen years later, the Lord raises up a prophet named Haggai. Haggai is a very short book. It's only three chapters long. It's the third to last book of the Old Testament, in case you're wondering where it is. Like me. Where? I know it's in here somewhere, Lord. In Haggai, let's just turn there real quickly. Are y'all okay? Uh, that's Byron. Um, Byron's coming out. Y'all okay out there? All right. Lord bless you, Byron, as you listen to this tape. Haggai rebukes the people for forsaking the rebuilding of the temple. He said, I was telling the early service, this is a story in the Old Testament that you never heard in Sunday school. You know, this is a story that you won't find in like the condensed kids' Bibles, probably. Because, you know, it doesn't have like all the fireworks, like, you know, this ugly nine-foot giant you know, or the parting of a body of water, or the raising of some debt. I mean, as awesome as those things are, yet, I believe that today, this is a story that is applicable for now, is important for us to understand and know, and receive as the church. Okay, are you hearing me? That's why I want to share this with you. So Haggai says to them, Verse 2, Haggai 2, 2. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the original guy that brought the exiles back, the son of Shetil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat. By the way, different Joshua than the, the guy who came after Moses. The high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. Everybody say, work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. That's the grace revelation. It says, work, but I'm with you. If God's not with you, don't work. <laughs> According to the word, verse 5, that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, 
Exclamation point. Don't worry about what people are going to say. Don't worry about your lake house. Don't worry about your Jaguar. Don't worry about your kid's college. Don't worry about all these things. For am I not Jehovah Jireh? Am I not the God who parted, get this guys, I parted a sea. I mean, it was like a pillar of fire, for goodness sakes. Can I not at least help you build a building? It's just a construction project. I'm not asking you to, like, you know, do anything major here. Verse 7, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while. Oh, this is good. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. Everybody say, all nations. And they all come to you. They'll, they'll come to, capital D, desire of all nations. And here's where it really gets good. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I'll fill this temple with glory. Do you see the glory of God? Can you at least see it by faith? Can you at least go with me? Okay, just receive it. Just see it by faith right now. Oh, Lord, I see your glory. I could imagine, even in your mind's eye, Lord, I could imagine what it would be like for your glory to come. Oh, God, show us your glory. That's our prayer. Show us your glory, God. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Ooh. The New Testament tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that not right? Say, I'm the temple. So there's two applications. The glory of God will fill you. He will fill you. It's the new covenant, baby. <laughs> it's not just a building anymore. We're the building. We it. He will fill you with His glory as His fruits begin to be made manifest, as we walk according to the Spirit, not according to the deeds of the flesh. Amen. His glory will fill you. Second application. Second application is we are the temple. We, the body of Christ in Mooresville, the body of Christ in North Carolina, the body of Christ in America, we are the temple. But here's the thing. We are not in revival yet. God is calling us to keep on keeping on. Keep on persevering. Keep on laboring in prayer as He leads you. Keep on rebuilding things that have been broken down. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, I remember when I was on fire. I remember when the Spirit of God came upon me and I got born again or I got this or I got this deliverance. But you know what, Matthew? I just, I'm just struggling right now. I feel like I'm not going, I'm not, you know, all this acceleration time. I'm accelerating backwards. Be encouraged. It's not up to you to do it. The grace of God is able to keep you and He's able to bring you into holiness. Anything less is wood, hay, and stubble. If you get a case of the do-betters, let me tell you, it's wood, hay, and stubble. It won't last for long, in case you haven't figured that out yet. But the grace of God is well able to take you further, higher, deeper, longer, wider. So that's what we're after here. As a church, I want to encourage us. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know this. God is going to bring revival. All He requires of us is two things. Number one, to say yes. Everybody say yes to the Lord this morning. 
Yes, God, I think we've already done that. We've covered that. We've had times in this church where we've stood up corporately and say, Yes, Lord, we will do what you want to do. We'll go where you want to go. We will move how you want us to move. And number two is to get low. To get low and stay in that place. Amen. When Matthew asked everybody to stand up earlier and grab and grabbed his Bible, I thought it reminded me of. And then when we were reading through this, I thought that really is good. I don't know if any of you guys watch on TV Joel Osteen's church. I'm liking Joel these days. It's different, but he's got something genuine. But he always gets everybody to stand up, hold up their Bible, and he says, "I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have." You know, and just when, when when they're saying that, I can't remember the whole spiel. But when we were reading this just now, I was thinking, the thing is, is that we need to believe and know that what this says, that I want to pour out my glory, that that is for us today. What the Bible says is for us. You know, we can be fed on the Word of God. It's living. You know, and what this says, the promises in here are for us today. You know, when you read this and you say it's building the temple and, and that His glory wanted to come and fill that temple, that this is real for us today. It really is. And, and I've been doing this thing where I just, it sounds ridiculous. It's one of those things like, you know, just being obedient, you know. And I just feel like the Lord just, sometimes I just go, I just put my face in the Bible and say, Lord, feed me. You know, because I know that this Word is alive and that it brings life to me when I believe that what it says it is, that I believe that I have what it says I have, that I believe I am who it says I am. You know, that's truth. You know, being released. And I just believe that we need to believe what Matthew said this morning, that this really is for us. And that one of the scriptures that the Lord gave me at the beginning was that stand fast. He's been just driving this into me. Stand fast in the freedom which Christ has set you free. Because He had not set you free to be in bondage again to a yoke of slavery. And that's what He's talking about, about pressing on. You know, keeping on, pressing on, standing fast in the freedoms that the Lord's already done in us, set us free, and pressing on with Him and not allowing the enemy to entice us just to sit back and be in bondage of that yoke of slavery where it's just give me the list of the do's and don'ts because it's much harder to live by the Spirit. That's a lie of the enemy that says give me the list of the do's and don'ts and that's going to be easier. That's bondage. And what the Lord's wanting to say to us is just keep on keeping on. Keep on pressing in with me. And I will release more of my fruits of the Spirit in and through you. I'll do it. But you just yield to me. So let's have our ministry come up here. Ministry team come up here. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, if you just want to download right now, you just want the Lord to touch you. You just want fire, just whatever you need. I just invite you right now. This is an invitation to the thirsty, okay? This is an invitation. Come and drink. The Lord is here. I'm, not, I'm telling you, He's going to touch you this morning. You know, and just receive. That's all you got to do. 
There's absolutely no pressure. So we just want to conclude like that. Just come forward. Just let people pray and minister to you and, and speak over you and encourage you. So amen. If you need to go, be blessed. May the Lord take care of you, watch over you, and give you peace. Amen. Amen. The splendor of a king Clothed in majesty And all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to hide Trembles at His voice Trembles at His voice How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God